Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we are in an interesting culture today. If you were to look at our culture and the emphasis of our culture, one word describes it. Selfishness. That's our whole focus of our culture today. Our whole culture is focused on selfishness. What you can get for yourself. It's reflected in every area of our life. Marital problems come out of that whole issue of selfishness. And that's the reflection. If you just watch your TV. In fact, I, it was interesting. The other day, I, I don't know where I was, but uh, the television was on wherever I was. And they got CNN on there. And they're interviewing because they're interviewing about the issue of some police department down in Florida enforcing its n- no adultery rule. And so they brought in some guy who has a dating website. And he's talking about, hey, it's a natural bent to commit adultery. Why stop it? Just do it. And I was listening to him, and one word kept flashing in my mind. Selfishness. 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 That's our whole culture today. Now, here's the sad thing, because everybody, one of you is recognizing it. That, that's the whole emphasis in our culture, is you do what you want to do. Nobody tell me what I need to do. I'm going to do my own thing. The problem is now, is that we've taken that thinking... And we've transferred it over to the church. Because that is a prevalent thought in even how we interact with each other in the church, in the body of Christ. We will be selfish. And basically, here's some of the attitudes that we'll have. We'll be so self-centered, we see it as bondage to be hindered by somebody else. To be hindered by their view. We want freedom. Who cares what anybody else thinks? I'm going to do what I need to do. In fact, they're just narrow-minded. In fact, here, have you ever heard this? You're just legalistic. You ever heard that? I mean, yes, and I understand because, you know, things swing and depend on them. We used to be where we had a rule for everything over here. And because of our reaction to having rules for everything and rules that couldn't be explained but just that we had a rule, we swung to the other extreme of going all the way over here where we don't want any rules anymore. We just want to do our own thing. And Jesus loves me, and he gives me freedom, and I'm just going to do my own thing. Now, what you're saying, okay, where are you going with yours? Here's my point. We're going to look at today another section in Romans as we're trying to understand this whole concept of a transformed life. We're going to look at another section today that has to deal with convictions, transformed convictions, and transform convictions about how we deal with each other, especially in a culture that is so self-centered and so self-oriented. We're going to talk about transformed convictions today. So I want you to notice with me, because as I read this passage, you're going to see where I'm coming from and what I'm talking about here. Because notice what he says. Look at verse 13. And notice what the Apostle Paul says. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore but rather resolve not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way 
I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, But it is evil for a man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. This section, I think, is probably going to be the most convicting succession of Scripture for you and I. In fact, you say convicting. What, do you expect this to convict us? No, I expect it to convict me. See, remember, we've been talking about the underlying issue that's been going on here with the Romans. Paul's been addressing the whole issue of meat. Remember, in their culture, in their day, it was a pagan culture. It wasn't a Christian culture. It was a pagan culture. So everywhere you went, you saw an idol. And everybody was a pagan. So what they would do is they would come and make an offering at this temple towards this idol. Now, here's the problem. Let's say I come with my big, fatted calf, and I come to make my offering to some pagan god, Zeus or Venus or whatever, And so I bring my calf there, and the priests, they're really excited. Oh, you're going to be blessed because you gave that calf. Now, they will offer a part of it, burn a part of it, but they will sell the choice cuts. Just so happens, right around the corner from the temple was a market with fresh beef on sale. In fact, a new sign comes up, calf. Just after I brought my sacrifice in there. And so what people would do then is they would go and buy their meat from these markets. Now you have some individual then who maybe just got saved out of paganism. In his mind, that meat was offered to an idol. And he can't eat it because it's wrong. And so they were fighting and feuding among themselves in the church, arguing over whether or not they could eat this meat or not. The mature people said, well, an idol is nothing. I can eat anything. But the immature people, the new Christians said, oh no, you can't do that. You can't do that. So Paul's going to come in now and give us a standard that if you are transformed, that is, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you're not going to be governed by the culture and the the selfishness of the culture. You're going to have a transformed conviction about how you're going to live your life out, especially how you're going to live your life out in front of others. Fellow believers. So let's notice what he says. First of all, the guiding principle. First thing I want you to notice, verse 13, notice what he says. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in your brother's way. First thing I want you to notice as far as a guiding principle for you and I, if we're going to have a transformed life and have transformed convictions, is this. We should not hinder each other spiritually. 
We should not hinder each other spiritually. And let me give you an example. Let's say we have a brother or a sister who comes to know the Lord. And before they came to know the Lord, they spent all their time in the lounge of the branding iron. That's where they hung out. That was their whole social function. They didn't even go get a steak. They went in for the drink. And so now they've come to Christ. They have given their life to Christ. So they want to turn their life on the old life. They want to turn their life on the, on, the, on the old way of doing things. And so to them, the branding iron was associated with the old way of doing life. Now here's Pastor George. He loves a steak. Wednesday night is steak night at the branding iron. And so every once in a blue moon, Lori and I go there. So we park our car out on State Street. And guess what? We go walking in. Now, as we go walking in, this dear Christian sees us going into the branding iron. What's Pastor George going into the branding iron for? In their mind, the branding iron is the lounge. It's not the back dining room area where the great, wonderful, nice, thick steaks are. In their mind, Pastor George is doing wrong. In their mind, they're having a crisis of belief. Now, I want you to listen to me because some of you are saying, what's he going to tell us? Not to go to the branding iron? Hold on a second. I didn't say that. Now this person comes to me and says, I saw you going in the branding iron. Why did you go in there? Oh, well, it's steak night. Man, they got nice steak, mushrooms, nice salad bar. Man, what a meal. And for five bucks, can't beat that. Yeah, but don't you know there's a lounge there, Pastor? Yeah, but I don't go to the lounge. I walk right by it. In her mind, she can't deal with it. Now, I'm sitting there saying, well, you know what? You just got to mature. You just got to grow up. You just got to realize that there's freedom in Jesus and I can do whatever I want to do. Here's what Paul's saying. Listen to what he's saying. This is why I think this verse, this, this section of verses is going to be convicting to us. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this. Not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. What's he saying, George? If going to the branding iron hinders that young Christian's life, don't go to the branding iron. You you see what I'm saying? Now, don't take me wrong. Some of you are going to immediately equate that George is now saying don't go to the branding iron. No, I didn't say that. As far as I know, nobody has a problem here going to the branding iron. Am I right? That's not an issue of maturity here. But if my action is going to hinder the spirituality of someone else's life, then don't go there. Then don't go there for their sake. See, the issue isn't what I want out of life, because immediately you could say, well, hey, how often can you enjoy a good steak around here, George? You've got to have a steak. Yes, I understand. I love steak too. But in the eternal perspective, what's more important? The spirituality of another individual. Notice now the next point he makes there. Look at verse 14. I know and am convinced by the Lord that nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Here's what Paul's point is. Rather than arguing the point with someone who thinks it's unclean, that offering eating meat offered to an idol is unclean, instead of trying to convince them that it's not unclean, that it's okay, he says, look, if it's their conviction, it's their conviction, honor it. Instead of me trying to argue with the person and say, there's not a problem eating a steak at the branding iron, I just need to say, okay, I'm not going to do that if that's going to hinder you. 
But you see, immediately when I say that kind of statement, we have been so trained by our culture today that we immediately say, well, who are they to tell me what I need to do? Who are they to tell me what I need to do? I'll give you an example, because you're already doing it anyhow. You say, what do you mean? If you're a parent here, raise your hand. There are lots of parents around here, right? Let me ask you a question, parent. As an adult, are there things that you do that you don't want your children to do? So in the presence of your children, for their sake and their maturity and their growing up, you have chosen not to do certain things for their sake. How many of you say, yes, I've done that? Well, you're just being oppressed. You're just being hindered by your children. You say, what are you talking about, George? We're just doing it for the benefit of our children. Here, here's what Paul's saying. You give up some of your rights for the spiritual children, for those who are less mature than you. See, we can't make the equation. We can't make the leap. Some of you are still back trying to figure out what am I talking about with kids. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. Listen to what I'm trying to say to you. We have a responsibility towards each other. In fact, that's the next section there. I want you to notice there. Look, we're going to look at verse 15 through 21. We have a responsibility. This is where Paul now expands upon it. I have a responsibility for the spiritual well-being of everyone else. And so if my actions are going to hinder you spiritually, I need to stop my action. Even though I may have freedom. Even though I may have freedom. Now, let me just stop for a When I talk about freedom, I'm talking about freedom in the gray areas. I'm not talking about things that God says specifically you should not do. Everybody understand me? So, specifically, there is no verse in the Bible that says, Thou shalt not eat steak at the branding iron. Thou shalt not order a cheeseburger at McDonald's. I know, I've looked, it's not there. All right. Now, notice now, here's the responsibility. Look at verse 15. 15 and 16. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. Here's the point. Recognize that your actions affect others. Recognize that your actions affect others. Your actions are going to affect other people. So let me give you another example. Maybe you go to church here and somebody starts attending here and they work at Pizza Hut. Nobody here works at Pizza Hut, so I'll just use Pizza Hut for an example because it's one of the only few places you can eat. And they're a new Christian in Christ. Now you go to Pizza Hut and you show up like five minutes before the buffet is over and you want a full buffet because you're there for five minutes. And then while you're sitting there and you're eating your first plateful, you notice that they shut the lights down on the buffet. All the lights are down. The heater's turned off, so the food's getting cold. And you start copping an attitude. In fact, you give the waitress, not the one who comes to your church, but the other waitress, the raspberries, why are they shutting down the buffet? I just got here five minutes ago. And your brother and sister in Christ is working there. And they see this. And it grieves them. See, here's the point. Your actions do affect others. Your actions do affect others. 
And so it's not an issue because if you, if you listen to what the culture says, you just do anything. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Yeah, but listen, here's the point. What I do affects a lot of people. In fact, I think that's part of the, you know, if you, do you, do you realize that a pastor, according to the Bible, has, will have a greater judgment than you? I will have a greater judgment because I'm a pastor than you do when you stand before the Lord. Here's, I think, part of the reason why. Because when I mess up, I'm just not just affecting my family or my circle of friends. I'm affecting not just you folks, but I've been here long enough now in the community that if, if I mess up, it, it goes outside of the church. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I interact with others in the community. And there's a responsibility there that my actions are going to hinder others, and they're going to hinder each other spiritually. Let's go on there. Let's continue on with the responsibility. Notice now, verse 17 and 18, he tells us this. Notice what he says. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Here's what he's saying. My responsibility is to watch what my actions are and how they're going to hinder others. But my second responsibility is to focus on something. What? To focus on the real issues. Focus on the real issues. Let me just stop for a moment. Let me tell you what the real issues are not. And this might be enlightening to some of you here today. The real issues are not your comfort. The real issues are not your happiness. The real issue is not your rights. The real issue is not what you want. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute, George. But isn't that what we're supposed to be pursuing as Americans? I understand that. But it's not your comfort. It's not your happiness. It's not your rights. It's not what you want. Here's what the real issues are. The real issues are doing what is acceptable to God. And him first. That's the real issue. Living your life because you know that your life here in this country is only short. You're going to be spending the rest of it with God. And this is just the preparation ground for what's coming. And you and I need to focus on what the real issues are. Eternity. Not just my comfort here now. And listen, let me just stop for a moment. Think about what I just said, what the real issues are not. Comfort, happiness, rights, what I want. Have you ever noticed how fickle those things are? Comfort. Can you even grasp that concept? You can be comfortable one moment and be comfortable. I mean, just take an easy chair. you got an easy chair. You're just a lazy boy. You just kick back in. You just, oh, it's just comfortable. And you can be comfortable there for a few moments. But then you've laid in that position, that same position for so long, all of a sudden you get a Charlie horse somewhere. All of a sudden something starts falling asleep. And you start hurting. Then what do you gotta do? You gotta move around to what? To get comfortable again. Happiness? Boy, isn't that bleeding. Rights? Be thankful you're here. Because in some places you wouldn't even have rights. And that's bleeding too, isn't it? See, we're pursuing stuff that doesn't really mean anything. Focus on the real issues. And what are the real issues? Serving God. Why? Because notice what he says in verse 18. For he who serves Christ in these things is what? Acceptable to God and approved by man. 
Let's go on. Here's the next part. Next responsibility. Look at verse 19. Therefore, let us pursue things which make for peace and things by which one may edify another. Instead of me pursuing what I want and doing my own thing, I need to, I have a responsibility to pursue harmony. We need harmony within the body. Instead of me doing something that's going to cause offense with people and hinder them spiritually, I'm going to do what it needs, what needs to happen so that there is harmony within the body of Christ. I'm going to have not a self-centered focus, but I'm going to have an other's focus. Did you hear what I said? I'm not going to have a self-centered focus on this is my right, I want to do my thing, but I'm going to have what an other's focus. I'm going to be focused on the needs of others around me. That's what Paul's saying, and that's my responsibility. And just to make the point, look at what he says in verse 20 and 21. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for a man who eats with offense. It is neither it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine, nor to do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or made weak. Here's the point. To act at the expense of others is sin. You might be saying here, yeah, I hear what you're saying, George. But you know what? I really don't care. I just want to do my own thing. If it hinders sister so-and-so, well, she needs to just get a life. If brother so-and-so can't handle my doing this, then he just needs to get with it. Understand that I'm an American. I'm free. I can do whatever I want. Here's what Paul says to that. For me to just do my own thing, and who cares what anybody else thinks? For me just to do my own thing, that's it. You and I need to grasp that. If if, If anything of those responsibilities... There's, if, of those four things that I've given you as far as responsibilities, if there's only one of them that we remember, let it be this one. When you and I just do our own thing at the expense of others, we are sinning. And I don't care how many cultural facts you can give up to say that it's okay for you to do that. I don't even care how theological you get. Because you might say, well, let's take example, their example. Well, come on, George. Eating meat offered to an idol? An idol's nothing. Besides, it's a pretty good price. So it's, so it's bothering a few people in church. What's the big deal? They just need to get a life. They haven't matured yet. Why don't you teach them a little bit more? Here's what Paul says. Yeah, you may have all the justifications. But if you're going to do what you're doing at the expense of others, it's sin. So then notice now the issue of convictions. Verse 22 and 23, personal convictions. Notice what he says. He says, do you have faith? Another way of translating that is, do you have convictions? Have it yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Here's the one. Blessed is the one who lives with convictions. Blessed is the one who lives with convictions. Let me tell you what convictions are. Convictions are you recognizing your responsibility to others and giving up your, quote, rights for the sake of others. Here's what Paul's saying. Blessed is the one who lives 
by convictions. And I'm not talking about convictions of selfishness. I'm talking about convictions of how's it going to affect others? How's it going to affect others? Here's the other thing. Transgressing your convictions is sin. Transgressing your convictions is sin. If a Christian eats food or does anything when he has doubts in his own mind as to whether it is right or wrong before God, his action does not spring forth from faith or trust in God. It springs forth from unbelief. Therefore, it's wrong. See, you and I need to develop, and if we are transformed in our life, we will have a transformed conviction And we need to develop convictions by which we live our lives by that will hold us back from the catastrophes that lay before us. And that will hold us back from creating catastrophes in the lives of others around us. In closing, let me just give you some three thoughts. Number one, you need to ask yourself this question. In fact, when you ask yourself this question, you need to be real with yourself. Because it's so easy to brush this one over. Are you focused on self? Oh, no, George. Now, never. I always put other people first. You really want to know, ask your spouse. Don't do it right now. In fact, I would pick the moment to ask them. Because they may unload on you. I'm serious. You might think you're okay. But the reality is that you've got selfish written on the top of your forehead and you don't even know it. Are you selfish at the expense of others? Are you that way when it comes to your brothers and sisters in Christ? Because that's the point of the passage. Is it all about you? Is that your focus? Next thing, recognize your responsibility to each other. You have a responsibility to each other here. Parents, you have a responsibility to your children. Spouse, you have a responsibility to your spouse. Believer, you have a responsibility to fellow believers. Immediately, as I say those kind of things, here's what springs up in somebody's mind here. I almost feel it. I can just feel it coming out of here. Oppression. You're taking away my freedom, George. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. True freedom is found in the boundaries that God sets. True freedom is found in the boundaries that God sets. Do we understand that? And again, I'm not giving you, remember what I said, at one time we had a whole bunch of rules over here. I'm not giving you a whole bunch of rules. I'm giving you principles. And blessed is the man who lives with convictions. Finally, live with transformed convictions. Live with transformed convictions. Because you're going to say, man, George, it's going to be hard. You want me to act that way? How can I do that? I can't do that. You're right, you can't. But you allow the living Christ to come into your life to be able to do it. You cry out to him and say, Lord, every ounce of me wants to just do my own thing. Help me to do the right thing for the sake of others around me. Live with transformed convictions. Think of how different your relationships will be. Think of how different the church will be if we were just sensitive to each other. Would it not be different? 
I pray that it would be that different. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.